Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through dumbest timeline America. I'm Frank Spring, joined today by no one at all. That's right. If Taking Ship's tone, uh, as a number of our listeners have pointed out, is basically one of kind of two politicos uh, in a bar, occasionally joined by a guest, uh, having a conversation that we hope is occasionally informative and uh, and, and, and at least intermittently entertaining, uh, this today I am just the guy at the end of the bar muttering to himself. Uh, it's a good look. It's one I feel very strongly about. It is, in some respects, the part I was born to play. Uh, Ellie is not able to join us uh, because he has uh, something more important to do, um, and that more important thing is related to a very important event um, in the history of our country, and, and I think it's fair to say perhaps in the history of the world. Uh, friends, in these troubled times, uh, we, uh, the people, uh, you know, lost, beset by uh, doubt and uh, and challenge on all side, uh, we would turn uh, to the heavens and we cry out. We have cried out for a hero, and uh, and lo, we have been a hero has risen. Uh, we have been granted that hero. We have received that hero. Uh, that hero is uh, Batgirl, uh, specifically uh, Ellie Jacobs' uh, daughter, uh, who is generally called Batgirl. Um, she has a name in the same way that Batman has a name. But the most important thing is the is the mask and what it represents. Batgirl uh, is with us. Uh, Ellie Jacobs is a father. Uh, his daughter Batgirl uh, was born quite recently, and he is attending. Uh, he's attending to her uh, that she may become uh, the hero that we uh, need. If not not the hero that we deserve, or maybe the one that we deserve, but not the one that we, how the fuck ever that goes. Uh, that's one of those, that, that whole, like, he's the hero we need, not the hero we deserve thing from the Dark Knight or whatever it is, is one of those things that sounds super profound until you realize it means pretty much the same fucking thing in reverse. Uh, you know, like Vince Lombardi is winning isn't everything, it's the only thing, it sounds like it means something until you realize that if you reverse it, it means just as much. So anyway, we are, we're saved. Batgirl is with us. Uh, we look forward to Ellie's return uh, and wish him and his uh, his family uh, all, all the very, very best uh, from the deck here at Taking Ship. Um, so in the meantime, uh, you're stuck with me. This will be a fairly short one. Uh, but uh, I, I thought we, uh, I, I, now I have to do Ellie's thing. I have to do the thing that Ellie always does, which is when he reminds you to uh, please, I, I, there's something about uh, reviewing us. Uh, if you haven't reviewed us, go ahead and review us. Uh, please, please review this episode particularly. Please review this the, my professionalism in this role. Uh, that's what I want you to review, uh, and nothing but that. Please go to iTunes and talk about how well I'm I'm doing Ellie's intro. Uh, please, yeah, please give us some stars. Please subscribe. If you're li- actually this is true. If you're listening to us without having subscribed, please subscribe. Um, and please interact with us in some way on Twitter, uh, where we are at Taking Ship, and that's ship with a P as in portent. All right, a few quick hitters. So this week, uh, I was going. This this section could be titled "Sexual Harassment Comes to DC," but in point of fact, that that, that headline is a shade old. Um, the uh, uh, the uh, the storm, I think, would be a, a fair way to characterize it. Of uh, of um, 
of uh, women coming forward uh, and and naming uh, men who have sexually assaulted them, sexually harassed them, uh, that began uh, particularly with Harvey Weinstein has come to D.C. A number of people, a number of politicians. Uh, it's also happening at the state level in politics, but where it began in the entertainment industry and and then has had uh, has has occurred in the media industry and other places. It is now very very firmly happening in politics, and it's firmly happening among other places on Capitol Hill. Um, this is, I, I think, it goes without saying, this is long overdue. Uh, it is, I think, a very heartening turn of events uh, to see. Well, la- so last week uh, I said that uh, if so, I think it was last week's episode, I said that if someone asks for uh, two things, you should give it to them, an honest answer and an ass kicking. I'm pretty sure I didn't invent that. I've been saying that. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast and you invented that phrase, please tell me uh, because I would be happily credit you, but I'm not going to stop saying it because it's so blindingly true. Uh, so, uh, a number of, of guys have been asking for an ass kicking with their conduct, uh, toward women. And some of them are beginning to receive at least some portion of it. Uh, this is a very, very good thing. So here's what I can't figure out about, uh, the way that this, uh, the way that the, the sexual harassment and sexual assault, uh, scandals have played out. Are we suddenly deciding to believe women or are, have we suddenly decided that we care about sexual harassment and assault? Like, why has this suddenly become a thing? And again, it is why this has happened is in, is significantly less important than the fact that it has happened at all. Uh, but it is, a, but it is sort of an interesting question. Have we just? Is it that we have decided suddenly? Actually, you know what? Maybe we should. Maybe we should believe women when they say this. You know, maybe we should trust women. You know, give, let's give that a shot and see what happens. Or have we decided? Actually, you know what? We've been believing this is a problem all along, that this is happening all along. Uh, we just didn't really care to do that much about it. We thought this behavior was acceptable. I suspect it's probably some combination of both. Uh, and and I, I can't help but shake the feeling that it is somehow, that this has been uh, you know a little bit encouraged by um, the, I mean, there's no other word for it, by the absolute outrage of having uh, an, an admitted sexual predator in the White House. Uh, I, I think... I wonder, and this is, I'm speaking a little bit out of my depth, I speak very much under correction here, but I I wonder if the idea that this behavior is so tolerated that you can be an admitted sexual assaulter, a sexual criminal, uh, and and become president of the United States. Uh, that has to that has to come to an end. Um, I, I you know I, I wonder if this isn't if that didn't somehow occasion this a little bit. I think a couple of good things that I can see coming from this already beyond the obviously critical fact that that some element of justice is finally starting to be done in some cases. It's a low ass bar to clear. Uh, we should be aiming for higher bars. Obviously, nonetheless, I think we can we can at least be reasonably uh, bullish about the fact that we're at least beginning to clear some of the lower bars. Uh, but beyond that, uh, another uh, one thing that I think is is really encouraging that I've noticed is in some of the discussion of this, uh, in, in both in the public prints and in actually in a couple of apologies themselves, I've seen uh, some language that suggests there may be a dawning re- uh, realization amongst men uh, that misogyny like racism is not just an intent, it is an effect. So if what you are doing has the effect of, uh, of you know, of alienating, of uh, repressing, of harming women. Uh, whether you intended to or not is not the point. Uh, I mean, you know, int- intent, and the intent behind something uh, does matter, but you didn't have to mean something in, in just that way in order for you to have done something wrong. Uh, and and if, if that 
is able to at least begin to take hold in some quarters, I think that uh, we may be uh, entering a slightly better path on our conception of what it is um, to, to behave like a human being. Uh, there is a key element, like one of the sort of lessons from this is, I mean, looking at this, there's a key element of, of toxic masculinity at play here that seems to me kind of central to a lot of this stuff. Uh, and we're, we're only just beginning to sort of approach this. Um, there's a key, but a, but key to this whole thing uh, is uh, is a is an element of toxic masculinity, uh, which suggests that the uh, that control, uh, specifically control over women's attention and women's bodies, is not just a perk of the job. And the job is here is you know producer of of uh, Hollywood films, uh, editor of uh, editor of uh, you know of a, of a newspaper or a magazine. Uh, you know, elected official in you know an office ranging from uh, ridiculously obscure to extremely high, including president of the United States. That control over women's attention and women's bodies is not just a perk of the job, but kind of the point of the job. That that degree that it's the control that matters. Uh, that is a, that is a powerful motivator. That is a, a sort of a central part of a culture of toxic masculinity. Uh, we are beginning to see the first chip away at that. Because it used to be, that's not just a perk of the job, it's a point of the job, and you will be celebrated for that. And maybe, just maybe, we're beginning, and then so you went from celebrating that to, and, and there are people who celebrate that, right? Like, oh, you know, this guy is great because he is, he has this job that enables him to abuse women. Uh, you know, I think culturally we've been been moving very slowly from that to a, a, a sort of cowardly and iniquitous place of just ignoring it. Uh, we're no longer celebrating it, but we're not going to do anything about it. We may be beginning to move slowly to a space where not only are we not celebrating uh, men whose roles allow them to abuse women, uh, we're moving past, I hope we are moving past ignoring that to a point where we are actually beginning to punish that. Um, that is just the big, that is the, the, the thinnest end of the wedge um, better no thin, better the thin end than no end at all. Um, but uh, uh, but nonetheless, like we're we're just beginning to get at this. But I you know I bring this up as a sort of because it seems to me that that's kind of what's the 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 core of why this is why this behavior is happening is that status for men we are still uh, we are still teaching uh, the idea that status for men is being able to treat women in this way that it's not just a perk of the job it is part of it's it's part of the direct reward of the job. What it means to be successful is to have control in this way. Um, undoing that is the work of of generations. We are obviously behind the curve, uh, and it, it goes without saying that that's a that's a, that is a central challenge that is imposed on everyone. I would submit that it is imposed upon uh, fathers more than it is upon mothers. But uh, but maybe I'm maybe I'm being blinkered on that again. I speak under correction. Um, one way or the other, that is the un, undoing that element of toxic masculinity in particular is is key to is is key to keeping us from having to go through these galvanic cycles and preventing these kind of uh, uh, abuses against women in the future. So what do, what do we do? And here I speak um, specifically about about uh, about men. What are we to make of this for a second? Because I know there's nothing more fascinating than listening to men talk about men. Uh, thank you all for your patience. Uh, we seem to be, I hope, past the paroxysm of self-flagellation that pos- that popped up a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks. You know, a few, actually, not a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, when when particularly when the Weinstein thing first broke. Uh, there was a yeah. I mean, what I would only describe as a social media uh, um, uh, 
out, uh, yeah, sort of outbreak, a, a festival of dudes coming out and, and doing and doing performative mea culpas. And, and some of them, I think, were well-intended and reasonably well-executed, but a lot of them were, 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 were frankly pretty embarrassing. Um, it is not... Uh, you know this the idea of coming out of coming out and saying well you know i know that i've done i know that i have done wrong mea culpa mea culpa mea maxima culpa um that's not really the point here uh the point here is uh where there are accusations uh the accusers are to be listened to and respected uh and your job as a dude in these circumstances is to be uh supportive when directly called upon uh to do so to keep an open mind and most importantly to for once and, and I am aware of the irony, the the, the absolute irony uh, of what is happening here. Of uh, of me saying, uh, you know, but, but your job is for once just to just to be silent, please, uh, and and to listen to try and and try and take in uh, what's happening here. Um, so there is, however, a further point about. Uh, I'm glad that we're past this paroxysm of self-flagellation. I don't think that really served much of a purpose for us as men. Uh, this is not about us. Uh, this moment is not about us. Um, this is, and, and, and let us not try and make it about us. I will say this on the point of uh, some of the self-flagellation of the instinct of which I can understand. It's very hard when you begin. It's very hard to look back and see behaviors of yours that you're not proud of, that you think are wrong, and that where you do you treat women disrespectfully. Um, that can be very hard. I will guarantee you, however. Uh, that if you are a man, your sins in this matter are almost entirely sins of om- of omission, not of commission. Most of the men who are listening to this and who have gone through, as many men have over the last few weeks, a period of a kind of of review of your past conduct and found yourselves wanting. And if you if you have done that, believe me, you're not alone. Most of your sins are not sins of commission. They're not the kind of things that are worthy of of the attention that you want, that you would get if you stood up and say, "Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa" for what the, for this thing that I've done. It's the times when you haven't done something, when uh, a man has been behaving in a way toward women, and maybe the woman wasn't even there, but when you have stayed, when you have, when you have, when you have failed to establish a, a norm which is this kind of shit doesn't fly anymore. Uh, and, and sometimes, and, and a lot of the times there's a simple way to do that. Um, sometimes it's, a, it's, you know, you win, and I know this because we've all been this person when a sharp word or even a, or even a hard look would have had a clarifying effect on uh, exactly on, on exactly what standard we hold our, our fellow men to, uh, and we let that opportunity pass us by. Uh, sometimes it takes more than that, but a lot of times it doesn't take much more than that. A sharp word or a sharp corrective look uh, can be enough to say that this is this is not the way we do things anymore. Um, and when this will start to turn around, not when we go to Facebook and Twitter and start saying, "Oh my God, the things that I've done." Uh, it will start to turn around when we start giving each other those those hard words and those hard looks uh, to establish that there are certain things that just aren't that that, that are just not okay. And there's not going to be an audience for that, right? There's no, there's you know, there's there's not going to be anyone to like that or comment on it or uh, you know to you know it's not it's not going to get into your mentions or whatever. Um, it's going to be probably a pretty lonely moment uh, for all of us when that that can be a very lonely moment for all of us when that time comes. And I I hope that when it does, we are not found wanting. Um, there's not going to be an audience when we finally decide to do something about this shit. It's going to be a long, hard grind. Um, so, you know, I mean, get, get ready for it guys. Okay. 
A couple of other fun things. Uh, we're going to lighten the tone here a little bit. Uh, the NFL is straight melting the fuck down, and it's pretty glorious, to be honest with you. Uh, if you haven't been following this, uh, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, uh, of, of whom Ali and I have a very high opinion uh, as listeners of this uh, podcast will know, uh, his contract is up for um, negotiation. It's being held up by uh, Jerry Jones, the good old Double J, uh, uh, owner of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, uh, who is very unhappy, uh, very unhappy with the Raj. Uh, and and I, at full disclosure here, part of my resentment uh, for Roger Goodell is that he is giving gingers a bad name and has also stolen the nickname of the Ginger Hammer, which I think would have worked extremely well for me at various points in my life, and I'm jealous of him for that. Um, so yeah, I, I just I feel like I have to I have to get that conflict of interest out there. Nonetheless, uh, the Double J is extremely upset with Roger Goodell, uh, and and a number of owners appear to be listening to him, uh, you know, some more than others. But there is, I think, a general there's a sort of growing sense that Roger Goodell may have fucked this up. That in his tenure as NFL commissioner, uh, NFL owners have made a lot of money. That's the primary thing that they care about. Uh, but also in in just about every other way. Major scandals of of all types, uh, you know, gameplay issues, refereeing, labor, everything else has been handed in the most cockamamie, inept, and ham-handed way possible. Um, and it's sort of interesting, the idea that these... That these and, and, and to be clear, this is a pissing contest between extremely odious, wealthy people. Like, let's just... Let's be honest about that. Like, there, there are... You know, don't go into this thing looking for someone you can really get behind. There are no particular heroes in this in this story. Uh, what we are just hoping for is that uh, someone who deserves... Who, who deserves some degree of comeuppance may get them, may get it. Um... Uh, there's a sort of I think, dawning awareness that the NFL has made money in spite of, not because of Roger Goodell, uh, and that he has basically that where judgment was called for, he has exercised the worst possible judgment at basically every turn. Um, it is absolutely delightful. Uh, there is a possibility that we may see that the uh, commissioner may not get a new contract. Um, that the new contract may be incentive based, which is to say, all right, we've just been paying you. Now you actually have to meet certain incentives before we're willing to pay you. Uh, which I'm sure he would view as somewhat humiliating. Um, he's talked about the idea that he wants to leave the commissionership and that no one should stay in the same place forever. Um, uh, but the truth is, this guy has never been anything but uh, an empty suit in the NFL office. Uh, I don't see that changing for him anytime future. The idea that he would be taken seriously outside of this office is, is just absolutely laughable. Um, I bring all of this up largely because it you know it is not particularly relevant because of the way that the anthem protests uh, and that were begun you know more than a year ago by Colin Kaepernick as a, as a protest against uh, police uh, brutality and mis- and uh, mistreatment against uh, uh, communities of color particularly african americans um the way that the anthem protests have completely gotten away from the nfl um they have handled them about as badly as it's possible to handle them uh, this is something that we have we we have commented on. We have predicted uh, that particular chicken may be coming home to roost. Uh, if the thing that ultimately undoes Roger Goodell are the leagues in, is the league's inability to squarely deal with its own players on a matter of absolute moral clarity, uh, justice will have been served. That doesn't happen very often, uh, so we're we're very much rooting for that. Last point uh, from this week. Something very interesting happened on Fox News the other day. Uh, and and you know, there are, those are words that you never thought you'd hear from me. Something very interesting happened on Fox News the other day. Uh, Fox News anchor uh, Shep Smith essentially took apart uh, a conspiracy theory that's been making the rounds for the last few weeks. 
the effects of the to the effect that uh, Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation exercised um, inappropriate and potentially illegal and you know I mean you know cosmically wrong uh, you know somehow satanic influence uh, to uh, allow a Russian firm to acquire a certain amount of uranium from a I mean, it just God, God in heaven, I, it's not even worth getting into. Although I will say, uh, I think this was the issue in which Lou, this was part of Louis Gohmert's terrific flowchart. Uh, Representative Louis Gohmert uh, had, an, had an amazing flowchart of Clinton scandals. Uh, I will not attempt to describe it because, uh, despite the fact that nothing makes for better podcasting and radio than someone uh, just than, than a host describing a podcast that the viewer describing a flowchart that the viewers can't see, I will not attempt to describe this thing. What I will just say is. It, this whole scandal has the usual fever dream quality to it. Um, if it were presented by an anchor reporting live from a shed uh, with a wall uh, in front of a wall with a bunch of pictures and maps and uh, and you know circles and notes and red crayon and a bunch of thumbtacks and yarn all over it, uh, it's it's it, it would that would be about the right setting for presenting the uh, the uh, the uranium one uh, conspiracy. And this Fox News anchor Shep Smith. Spent dedicated a certain portion of uh, of the broadcast to basically tearing the conspiracy theory apart, uh, and, and you know, and essentially demonstrating that there's no there there. And this is the interesting thing. I am I, I come not to praise Shep Smith, although he did a good job on that occasion. I, I will give him credit for this specific instance. This is not the first time uh, that he has come out against outlandish. You know, cartoonish the uh, uh, you know, conservative conspiracies um, that he has been uh, critical of elements of the Trump administration, of elements of kind of certain elements of the conservative world. It's caused a it's caused a hue and a cry and a howling and a mewling and a gnashing of teeth from Fox News viewers. Um, that doesn't take much much effort, but nonetheless, it's it's he's he's elicited that response, uh, calling for his head and so forth. And so, I guess. Looking at this guy, here's my question for Shep Smith. What's your game, friendo? Because if the whole point of this was to establish himself simply as the as the good Republican, right? The guy, and that may just be it. He may just be wanting to position himself as the good Republican. Um, I, I, I mean, if he wants to position himself as the as the Fox News anchor who's okay. Um, and is there, and and is therefore going to be lauded for his fairness and his uh, his even-handedness and he's being okay uh, in the eyes of the alt center who are forever looking for such a thing. He's already accomplished that. He didn't need to go after the uranium one scandal. Maybe he's just keeping his cred with these people. Uh, but I have to say, one of the the elem- one of the things about the alt center is it is extremely credulous. Uh, convincing, you know, they, they are the alt centrists. Uh, one of their signs, one of the signs that you should watch for. Here's your PSA about alt centrism. One of the signs that you should watch for is a sudden desire to like Republicans. A sudden desire, or for that matter, I guess if you're if you're a Republican, a sudden a sudden desire to like Democrats, to to find the good one, All right? To find that's that's this is actually fair. This is for the alt center from both sides. Um, the desire to find the good one or the other one, the one that you can really hold up as an example of how there are good sides on there are good people on the other side, um, you know, which doesn't mean that there aren't, but the search for that, the kind of fetishization of the idea that we've got to have one that we can talk about how good they are. That's a very uh, that's a, that's a that's a key warning sign of alt centrism. If you see it in yourself, uh, seek help immediately. Uh, so. 
if he's just trying to appeal to those people, uh, he's doing, I, I guess, a pretty fair job. Uh, but it seems like he might be gilding the lily a little bit. Uh, I don't have another theory about what this guy might be doing. It is, I guess, technically possible that he might actually have some kind of professional conscience. But gosh, that would be a strange thing for a Fox News anchor to have suddenly generated. So again, uh, I just note for now the oddity of uh, of Shep Smith ta- uh, taking apart the Uranium One uh, conspiracy theory to the significant uh, discomfort of his audience, and ask again, uh, what is the what, what's this guy up to? What's this guy? game. Uh, Answers on the back of a postcard, if you please. And I think we're going to leave it there. Uh, Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, if you please. Uh, Interact with us in some way on Twitter. Uh, We are, that is, uh, at Taking Ship, uh, with AP as in prehistoric. Now, this week we take ship for Portugal, where, uh, there's no good way to say this, a prehistoric sea monster surfaced there this week. Uh, it is a, a frilled shark, it's five feet long, uh, it looks like an eel, uh, it has a huge head, it has 300 teeth. Uh, look this creature up on the internet if you care, it's the stuff of absolute nightmares. We've known frilled sharks have existed for quite some time. Uh, they're usually found at lower depths, which is why we don't go too deep into the ocean. Never know what you'll run into down there. Uh, they don't usually surface, uh, and and so this is, as your uh, authorities uh, on all matters maritime, uh, it is the solemn duty of taking ship to go and investigate this loathsome animal, um, see why it is, uh, why it chose to surface, and why it chose to surface in Portugal. Does it have a taste for vino verde and smoked cod? And for that matter, the Portuguese the authorities seem awfully matey with this shark. Uh, there may be there's something not quite ship-shaped there as well. So we go to investigate um, both this shark and the Portuguese themselves. Uh, we hope to find everything above board, uh, and we will report back. Um, in the meantime, uh, thanks everyone. We will talk to you later.